Welcome to the Sound DeFi Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Join us today, the chairman and CEO of Invenium Partners, Pat O'Meara. Pat, great to have you back on the podcast. Big conversation right now. You look at the Winklevoss twins or Gemini, uh, laying some people off. Coinbase has stopped hiring. Many people suggesting that we are either in or about to go into a crypto winner. What say you? It's undeniable that there's a crypto winter, but it's not a digital assets winter, right? And there's a distinction between the two. We want to talk about this crypto winter is syncing with what we're seeing in kind of this recessionary mind virus uh, that is in the U.S., and we're seeing some serious pullback, right? As I had told you previously, I was in the Middle East last week. There is zero discussion of recession there. This is a buying opportunity. They're, they're flush with cash. Uh, they're sitting on a lot of dollar, a lot of cash and, and dollars as they pump oil at a $112 a barrel or whatever it is today. I think that was yesterday's price, but you know, at a, at a fabulous price. And they're blowing and going. And this recession is largely dollar denominated. It's created and we're paying the piper for a sugar high, a Fed balance sheet that served purposes of uh, some of the Fed's key constituents, which was when we spent like drunken sailors, we needed to uh, allow the repayment over the years in a dollar that's worth much less. And that's a consequence. And so this is a dollar denominated reality in many ways. But crypto, we're seeing a kind of shake out but this kind of strong headwinds are, I would say, they're real. They're here in the U.S. There's no doubt about it. But this also creates real opportunity for small businesses who are the last to lay off and the first to hire to begin to look at new tools for uh, liquidity. And I think that's digitization, that's tokenization, that's valuing their collateral, that's tapping into new forms of lending where they're able to prove the value of their asset. And for us, being massive adoption as these new forms of liquidity are being adopted. And COVID was a massive accelerant for Invenium because everybody moved digital. And when they moved digital, they said it was a realization that what we've been talking about for some time, they were able to see the analogy much more directly, right? And they said, wow, yeah, we need to be able to diligence digitally. We need to be able to see real-time information because they were stuck in their homes. And we think that this coming crypto winter uh, or this winter we're in is a normal part of a cycle of adoption, over-purchasing, settling down, you know, building support there, understanding, you know, the supply-demand balance. We did have somebody step on the bid in a big way as they did some calculated attacks on specific currencies. Um, in the same way that we have somebody stepping on the bid in the U.S. dollar in the economy, because you literally have the Fed unburdening their balance sheet, right, where they're selling assets, and instead of taking that dollar and recirculating it into an asset, they're selling assets and then they're burning that capital. Literally, they're taking that cash out of circulation. As they do that, that's a, you know, we have a $9 trillion foot on the bid and they're not going to sell down their whole balance sheet, but they're talking about four, four and a half trillion, you know, for that would sink the German economy, right? That would sink the French economy, right? And it's a huge headwind for the U.S. And this is largely some of the reasons that crypto was created, 
right? In order for people to understand that as the U.S. government, the Federal Reserve misuse that really strategic, fabulous asset, the dollar, and they abuse it, uh, that the, there comes a time to pay the piper. And that's this time. And innovation is going to get us out of this and using our resources. And there's a lot of man-made obstacles to us moving forward right now that can be removed to lessen the impact of this if we're willing to do this. But we're right now, we don't have the political will to remove you know, barriers where we're pumping more oil and gas, right? And instead we're exporting dollars to the Middle East at a record pace. And, and that's okay, you know, in Venium, we're in the Middle East, we're benefiting from that. But the reality is this is empowering a drive to less efficient forms of power generation here in the US. And I understand innovation needs kickstarts and it needs help. And I understand, you know, fusion, the best form of fusion in the world is a naturally occurring, never ending one that sits in the sky. I get that. But harnessing that effectively, we're not there yet at the same cost effective spark point, deliver energy for broad utilization here in the US. And so we still are using oil dramatically to not only power our homes and power our vehicles and power our planes, but the reality is we are doing it in with imports in a way where we could be exporting that oil and keeping the dollars here, mitigating some of these issues that are in front of us. But, but the crypto winter, it's here. The recessionary pressures are here as the Fed steps on it. But what we're going to do is we're going to see innovation in DeFi and tokenization and digital assets over the next year and a half to the degree they can become a real outlet for many players. It will be utilized. So I want to back up a little bit and talk about, so what does this potentially tokenization onboarding process mean for the USD? Because you said, look, right now, Chris, the USD has been abused. I'm sure you've seen that Riyadh is now, at least in conversations about trading oil outside the petrodollar with the renminbi in China. And so as you look at more and more people saying, wait a second, if the USD is not being utilized or used appropriately in the right way by the Fed, and yet now I can go tokenize, Kind of walk me through what you see happening here from a tokenization process. What's the utilization onboarding process? But also at the end of the day, what is that going to mean for the USD and potentially if you want to go into stable coins as well? You know, pride comes before the fall and there's a certain arrogance in parts of the federal government around uh, not treating other sovereign nations as if they're sovereign nations. And the U.S. cannot continue to do that. When Biden needed people to not only help him, but just pick up his phone call and return his phone call in the Middle East. He couldn't get him to do it because he had abused them so readily in the papers in a cheap and easy time that served no benefit other than for him to try and uh, virtue signal to his core constituency American superiority when in fact we are part of a global community that we needed to, we need to have partners who can rely on us, they can trust us they know that we're going to treat them well, we're going to acknowledge their sovereignty, that we are a nation of laws, and that we are not following the dictates of the political party who's been elected in. And the reality is that's not really the case. And that opens the door for moving away from the petrodollar, right, which is a problem. It's a massive problem. That has been an economic boom in the United States for 45 years. And for that to begin unwinding, 
that's tough. Now, you know, as you know, there have been little pieces, hits in the, here and there in the last 20 years where that's been talked about, but we're not supporting the allies the way that we should. And I, I don't want to talk about geopolitics, but the reality is geopolitics drive markets and we're, we're a market infrastructure player. And so if you don't understand uh, why that's happening, you don't understand what's driving the very movement of capital. And, and so the whole goal of DeFi to facilitate the aggregating of liquidity across silos, to clear trades, to put more nodes on the chain, so to speak, of the global economy, where it's not just the large corporations and the large banks and the, the governments, but more small businesses that can interact in a manner with one another directly. It makes the global economy more resilient. And so uh, it is a big deal. We're going to see, I believe, crypto and DeFi play a role not in destroying the dollar, but uh, supporting the dollar in a unique role. And it needs to have globally as the reserve currency, but it's not, it's, you know, as a reserve asset, that's over. We lost that. That's done, right? And, and the reason is large countries who used to own huge treasury portfolios, huge dollar denominated portfolios, they, they were liquidating those. And the reason is they saw the writing on the walls. We printed the heck out of the dollar. So this is a real issue that we're coming to grips with that we as a country need to face. And we need to say, hey, listen, when there were, you know, and again, you know, Kansas City Fed President Honig, he's, you know, one of my favorite characters, uh, right? You know, his writings and his speeches in 9, 10, and 12 need to be enshrined nationally, right? And because what he said was going to happen is happening today. And DeFi is going to ameliorate some of the effects because we're going to give more small to medium enterprises access to capital that is illiquid today as uh, banks and sources of liquidity freeze up. And DeFi starts to facilitate new forms of liquidity and access to liquidity based on better data. So I want to talk about those opportunities in a moment because you keep bringing up the crypto winner, but just to back up for a second. So I want to be clear on what you're saying about the USD as the reserve currency. You're saying that that time is coming to an end. It's at an end because so many people are selling it right now. As a reserve asset, I think it's over. Uh, as a reserve currency, we've got to preserve that. And I say that uh, not from a DeFi standpoint. I see that sitting in Novi, Michigan, right, talking to you in Fargo. Right. From a U.S. economy standpoint, the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency provides us a strategic edge and opportunity to continue to drive benefits to our economy. We've abused that and the abuse has had a consequence. And so we need to face up to that reality, but we also need to not to continue to abuse it where it ceases. The good news is there's no good alternative. Crypto as an alternative, there are some alternatives to it, but not to the point where it really could be a reserve currency. Can there be an auxiliary currency? Yes, right? But USD and euro-denominated stablecoins that are backed by real assets will be a mechanism, but they're always going to be pegged to USD and euro, I think, for the next 100 years. Beyond that, who knows? But our our next 100 years, uh, we've got to defend our dollar. And I say that as U.S. citizen, not as a global citizen or anything like that, right? But that's that's important. But I do think reserve currency, is, it, it matters. It matters a lot. 
I want to get to the bill that came out recently from Senator Loomis and Senator uh, Gillibrand in a moment. But uh, as I said a moment ago, you talk about this crypto winner. So as you're traveling the globe and you've been in the Middle East, Dubai wants to brand themselves as the crypto capital of the world. For small business owners, for people investing in crypto in this winter, where do you see opportunity? This recessionary mind virus, there is a step that exists here in, in New York City and the capital markets in this very overinflated stock market, you know, where the multiples were exceptional, right? But the reality is that's coming down a bit. Now, how lending and how capital investment and expansion in the U.S. of the small to medium businesses and the global economy, there is are in some ways a, a mind virus that has set in. But what we're seeing is in this global economy, as more corporations have outposts around the world, you realize that there are other segments of the globe that have zero discussion of recession going on, but this is a moment of boom and massive growth, right? And so whether it's Dubai or it's it's Abu Dhabi or it's, you know, both in UAE, you know, these are entities that are building a future right now. And one of the reasons that they're building a future is they're proactive about a regulatory structure that allows people to be compliant regulatorily in a manner that that you can comply with the law. And as you know, with SEC, you mentioned Gemini in the beginning. One of the things that's happening right now is policy, you know, enforcement is a policy vehicle, right? So there's not law, there's not regulation that is driving enforcement. Enforcement is setting policy. And that's really bad because innovators who want to stay within the law, they want to do what's right. They want to make sure they're 100% compliant with everything that they need to. When you're guessing at what's going to cause a regulatory crackdown, and let's use Gemini as an example, right? And this is Gensler, same thing that they did with BlockFi. BlockFi had uh, Jay Clayton, you know, former SEC chairman. And that's very helpful when you have that. And they said, it's $100 million. And Clayton said, no, 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 you're wrong. This is why. And Gensler said, no, you misunderstood. It's $100 million for this license. So BlockFi read the writing that was on the wall. They could fight or they could pay the $100 million, get the license and move on, which they did, which by the way, that set a clearing price for what the license is, right? Mm -hmm. So those ATS licenses that are out there, by the way, Invenium, we own a couple, meaning we are small investors and a couple ATSs. That that's the new clearing price for those, right? Gemini is going to do the same thing. They're going to pay a fine. They're going to get a new license and they're going to go. And this is a material expansion of the SEC overseeing quite a few things that are not in their mandate to do so. And it's, this is not regulatory policy or even legislation. This is enforcement creating policy. And that's that that's that's not great for innovation. And by the way, innovators, they get scared to death of this because you put your all your money, all your time, all of the innovation, you know, blood, sweat and tears into something. And in an arbitrary, capricious manner, a regulator comes in and shuts it down. That's not fair to the innovator. There's got to be a clear sandbox or roadmap or clear set of rules. And if it's principles based, great, then let's stick to the principles based versus rules based. And if it's rules based, here's the rules. If it's principles based, here's the principles. And then we can decide, did we apply the principles correctly or not? But when you have the former SEC chairman as the general counsel of a company saying, we did not violate the law at all, yet they still have to pay a $100 million fine, you begin to understand 
this is just a ticket to gain entry, right? An expansion of the SEC. So this is a big deal. And the new crypto legislation, which, by the way, I'd love to have a whole session with you on it, where we talk about the pros and cons and what they're doing. And we have some fabulous people in the Senate and the House who are becoming more and more aware of what's happening. They're beginning to put things in writing that protect innovators. They're not protecting the incumbents. They're protecting responsible new innovation in the fields of finance, which is what we need to do. And so this is kind of where I think this newest legislation is shaking out. But I'd love to go through that, you know, really with some of the core principles that that I see in there. But it's got to get passed and we got to we got to have some clarity because Abu Dhabi, Singapore, exactly, Dubai, Gibraltar, they're they're making it clear. And and, um, we have we have recently set up two corporations that existed, that we created in the U.S., founded in the U.S., funded in the U.S., and we moved corporations to other jurisdictions so we could be regulated, so that there was a regulator who would say, we're going to regulate this new innovation that you're engaged in in a manner where we could prove regulatory compliance because in the U.S., and, and literally, in many, we're spending millions on legal. And, and the ability to ensure compliance with the law is is not possible with the structures we have today. And this is why you have people decamping to other locations, not because they want to avoid the law, but because they want to prove compliance with a set of laws that they can operate within, right? It's this gray area, the destructive innovation, right? And if we have black and white, we can say, here's you're outside the law or you're inside the law, whatever it might be. But but boy, when it's just fiat, you know, arbitrary and capricious administration of a set of rules that the former chairman of the SEC can't understand, that's a problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he's going to miss it, I'm going to miss it. Right. So for our audience, the single most important thing, because we will do a deep dive in this legislation soon, but for our audience, the single most important thing you think they should know about this piece of legislation is what? I love the title of it. I love the sponsors of it. I love the core tenants of it. This community is begging for legislation, not regulatory fiat, not policy being set by enforcement. When you have large companies, far, far, far larger, you know, you know, 100x the size of Invenium, let's say Coinbase, working with the SEC for years, I should say months and years, and, and giving them all the data, and then there's a cease and desist given to them with no rationale on why, ahead of them issuing a product that they have vetted up and down, you just realize you are incenting the wrong behavior as a regulator, right? And so I would say the digital assets, the digitized securities, the crypto community, the DeFi community, Irving for this legislation. Pat Amira, Chairman, CEO of Invenium Capital Partners. Thanks for the insight. Thanks for the time. Right here on Sound DeFi Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Berg. We will talk to you again very, very soon.